This episode of the podcast has been dedicated to Dr. Paul Lego and Charles Lego Sr. So please join us as we take a moment of silence. Thank you all so much, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We have taken a very long hiatus. Uh, I recently had a baby, so that's been taking up all my time. I'm back at work. Frankie's been working. Our schedules have just been absolutely crazy, Uh, but we're excited to be back. We've got a great guest. Uh, I actually had the pleasure of playing for this guy uh, his first year, I believe, coaching uh, high school, and it was an absolute pleasure uh, the knowledge that this guy had that he gave was just amazing. And anything you asked him, he had an answer for. He knew exactly what was wrong and he knew how to fix it. So please help me welcome our good friend, Jonathan Lego. Hey guys, thank you so much for inviting me. Very excited to be here today. You know, uh, seeing you two grow up over the last few years, I mean, it's, 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 it's a blessing. You know, when you start coaching, that's all you ask for. The wins and losses, they come and go, but then when you can have the ability to create better men, just like you and Frankie, you know, especially welcoming you now to uh, fatherhood, you know, congrats to you and the wife on that. Thank you. It's a huge pleasure to see what you guys have been doing. I mean, I'm very uh, excited to be here and very, you know, grateful to see, see two of my guys do very well for themselves. Yeah, we appreciate that. So um, how's everything been going? How's, uh, how's life been you know, man, it's it, it's been a, it's been a wild ride for me this past year. You know, uh, I talked to you guys a little bit the last few months, been kind of tough. You know, I was in the hospital with you know the whole COVID thing for um, for about a for about a three weeks to almost a month. You know, in the process, I ended up losing my father and grandfather. But you know, a lot of it has kind of a giving you perspective on life and and just kind of just everything as a whole. You know, but other than that, you know, I'm doing pretty good physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, kind of getting back into rhythm. Finally went back to work on uh, Monday and, you know, I'm very, I'm very blessed for that opportunity. That's good. Very, we're very sorry to hear about your dad passing and your grandfather passing. Um, The the toll that must have took on you, especially, you know, uh, you guys were in the hospital at the same time, right? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. My story is a little, it's a little odd and a little, you know, a little different. You know, my father and I'm getting sick. Um, he tested, you know, for positive for COVID. So that kind of like triggered for all of us in the family to uh, go get tested as well. And the, the weird story is whatever strain that, that he had got, it got passed to my entire family. I'm not sure if you guys were aware, but my mom was in the hospital with us for about a week. My, my middle brother, Charles, he was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks. Him and I actually became roommates our last uh, three days that I was there. <laughs> and then uh, my youngest brother, Brandon, who plays uh, baseball at Bullard, he caught COVID too, but he, uh, because of, you know, he was so he's young and stuff and pretty healthy, he only got, you know, some minor symptoms and only had it for a couple of days. So, but no, I'm just grateful everyone's healthy now and, you know, we're kind of getting back to our, our daily lives, you know. Yeah, it's good to hear. So we've heard like kind of, well, I've heard personally a lot of different stuff about how it affects like different people, a wide variety of ages. How did it affect you personally? You know, me personally, I it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, I'm now 32 years old. I'm in pretty decent health. Um, but whatever strain that I got, it really attacked my lungs. So I had COVID, COVID pneumonia, and then I had another secondary infection on my lungs. So like for me right now, um, again, like as I mentioned earlier, I'm on a restriction from work. You know, I had an appointment, I had a couple x-rays done. I still have inflammation and I still have, you know, fluid in my lungs, but that's part of the game. You know, it affects everyone differently, but for me particularly, it's, you know, it, it just attacked my, it t- attacked my lungs, you know, and, you know, I have some friends who are older and, you know, and 
in some you know ways not as healthy and they end up getting no symptoms at all you know it's it, it, it's a weird virus you know um, it's scary because i know around day seven there was a chance that uh i wasn't gonna make it you know they're gonna try to send me down to the icu where my dad was and kind of help me out down there but if it wasn't for one of the nurses i, I forget her name but if it wasn't for her you know it's uh she kind of gave me that extra drive, you know, kind of like I told you guys when we were playing, it's like, you know, you got to, you got to continue to grind, put in the work. You got to be mentally tough. And I'm not going to lie. When you face adversity and hit you, stuff like that, you start, you start to get tested mentally. And that's where I was. It's like physically my body want to give up. But then once I started losing my head where it's like, Hey, mentally you're like, Oh, maybe I just, maybe I'll just go down to the ICU and fight it from down there. And if it wasn't for her to kind of give me a pep talk and kind of like wake me up a little bit, you know, who knows where I, where I would have been. But a lot of the virus is, 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 is mental, you know, especially being in a position where you're in the hospital and you don't really get much interaction. So you're texting, maybe you're Zoom, FaceTime, whatever it may be, you know, or you're, or you're a person like me, you try to, every time you get a nurse come in, you're trying to talk to them for as long <laughs> as you can, you know? So like, it, it's, it's a mental, it's mentally exhausting. And like I said, for me physically, it just gets to my lungs and you don't realize how important they are until you're kind of like, uh, you know, gasping for air in a way. That is, has absolutely, you know, it's crazy to think because, you know, you hear all the stories about people getting it and how much it's affecting them, but, you know, you don't really get the chance to talk to somebody who's had it as severe as you had it you and your family as severe as you guys have had it and now just seeing the the process that you're taking and how much better you're feeling and looking good so i mean obviously things are looking up that's a good thing that's always a positive uh but just being able to hear the stories you know it it's it's even more it's even more real when it's happening to someone that you know and that you're close to like this yeah no for sure and like you mentioned like we hear stories, you know, we would, uh, you know, kind of going back to the beginning. And let's be honest, uh, when I first heard COVID, it just it wasn't like kind of the big deal. I was like, oh, it's probably a flu, just like the flu, whatever it may be. You know, I'm healthy, I'm young enough. And then boom, it hits you. And you're like, oh, it happened to me. Because you guys could probably, you know, kind of attest to it too. It's kind of like when these things come around and it's global and it doesn't affect us immediately, we're kind of like, it is what it is. I feel bad for people, but it probably isn't going to get to me. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, uh, I'm learning, I learned the hard way. And, you know, again, like I said, when you face something like this, it kind of opens up a different perspective on life itself. Man. Well, we're happy that you're doing better. We're happy that the family's doing a little better. I mean, that's, that's all we wish for. That's all we hope. Um, my baby's crying in the background. <laughs> he's not happy right now um but with that in mind um you know we hope that the road to recovery is a lot better we hope you know work gets a lot easier and your body starts getting back to it yeah no i'm sure i'm sure will you know i have a great team of doctors working with me at kaiser and you know again like i have guys like you and family and friends that always send their you know their support and prayers and you know and it's a big thing and, you know, I really believe in the, the power of prayer. And again, it wasn't for guys like you, you know, who knows where I'd be. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on and being able to share this, you know, little bit of your story. Uh, we know the people out there are definitely are some of those people that don't believe in it, you know. So hopefully this will put this into perspective, you know, hey, maybe just be a little bit more careful with what you do and, you know, you know, don't go out there and, and, don't go out there and be dumb thinking that everybody's okay because, you know, you, you don't know just how serious this is. And it, it's obviously become real serious about it. So for sure. But with that in mind, uh, we know you love baseball. We love baseball. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Uh, go. What, what got you started into, into playing baseball? Obviously just playing as a kid. Yeah, man. It's actually, um, at the time I was living out, let's say, I think like, oh yeah, we were living out by Bullard High School and 
my dad played baseball a long time ago, just more, more or less reg, nothing too competitive. And then we just uh, started playing catch and I, I, you know, I asked him all in the play. So he ended up putting me T-ball. Back then I was, I'm not sure if it's still around, but I played a year of uh, Pinedale T-ball. Um, it's probably I'm, not around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember uh, we went, uh, I ended up playing for the Mets that year. And my very first like personal glove was from my grandma. It was a blue glove because she's like, she didn't really know too much, too, you know, any better. She's like, oh, it matches your, she would call it your, uh, your, uh, your outfit, you know? Yeah. When we're kids, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, cool. It's a blue glove and matches my quote outfit. And then you literally later realize on, you know, grandma's a uniform, you know, but yeah, I started out with Pinedale for a year. And then I kind of slowly transitioned to, uh, to, um, Fuller, um, Babe Ruth slash Cal Ripken and stuff like that. But yeah, my dad kind of introduced me to, to baseball and stuff like that. Awesome, man. Um, what what age would you say that you uh, you really started getting into it? Like maybe you thought, oh, maybe this is for me or like, you know, maybe I can go somewhere with this. About what age is that? You know, um, I would say when I was, I like to say, man, I've, I, you know, we, you as baseball fans, you love baseball all your life. Mm-hmm. When I was, I would say like from eight years old, I had this desire. I didn't, most kids wanted to be like pro baseball players, but for me, it's like, I, I didn't want to be a pro. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to use it as a platform in a way to, to, uh, you know, to go to go, you know, excel in high school, go to college. So at eight years old, I told myself like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to play baseball and I'm going to be known as a baseball guy you know, and uh, at the time I was playing for a bowler little league and I was playing for the Mariners uh, little thing. That's actually how I became a Mariners fan, you know, <laughs> and, um, it, the, the coaches that I had were very knowledgeable and they were able to kind of give me the, the skills and development. And once I learned to like really focus on the fundamentals of how to properly play catch um, and how to, to, to do different things at that young age, that kind of opened my eyes and say, okay, I want to do this. Maybe not as a pro, but I want to go play college. So you went in, uh, in high school, you played at uh, Central, right? It's funny. My story, I'm not sure if you guys knew, but dude, I went to three different high schools in four years. Jesus I Christ, saw- Lego. You kept yeah. getting kicked out of all the schools. Man, nah. All the time. <laughs> it's a crazy story, man. Um, I actually played for Cliff Rolled out at Edison for uh, about what, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out there. Um, Cliff Rolls is, is, you know, it's great. It's one of the best coaches I've ever had and one of the best here in the Valley. Uh, he did very well. Um, it was unfortunate events. Uh, my junior year, uh, some people started vandalizing house, my own teammates. So my parents ended up transferring me to San Joaquin Memorial. Right wait, wait, wait. They vandalized your house? Yeah. And I'm their teammate. The? Yeah, keep that in mind. I'm their teammate. I don't cause, I you know at that time I'm not causing any drama. I'm just putting my head down blindly, trying to earn a starting gig, you know. And they're right in my house as their teammate. So my Jesus kind of, Christ. Yeah. And it, it wasn't just one event, like it was a couple of events. We didn't know who it was until there was one time my uh, my dad actually caught him, you know, trying mm-hmm. to smash our mailbox. So that was kind of the that's what kind of like the end of the straw of like, hey, we're done getting our house vandalized every weekend. Um, we're gonna go ahead and transfer you to Seattle King Memorial. Um, I was supposed to actually go to Memorial as a freshman, but I ended up wanting to go to Edison to play varsity ball with my cousin. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so went to Memorial. Um, I ended up going through the CIF process. The, I went through uh, Jim Critchlow. He's one of the CIF guys back then. And it was a dean that I was, quote, recruiting. Ah, oh, Jesus it, Christ. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it, you know, it's just, it was, it was, it was just unfortunate events that had occurred. But yeah, that wasn't even legitimate at all. But you know, my options were either A, sit out a year, or B, play JV baseball. So I was playing JV as a junior, um, which uh, I can actually say, since you guys are Fresno High guys, uh, we were supposed to be the JV champs. But you know, we ended up losing that final game against Fresno High, so we took second. But, uh, but yeah. Good old Fresno High. <laughs> uh, then my senior year came around, and my parents were like, "Hey, you know." Being young and dumb, I was given the option to get a brand new truck or stay at Memorial, and I said, "Hey, you know what? I like Central. I want to go play in the track. Um, let's go. Let's go ahead and get me that new truck." 
you know, regrets here and there for your baseball career. But then when you look at back at it, man, you meet so, so many great people. I got a chance to play for Angel Arroyo out there. You know, he was actually a San Joaquin Memorial grad. And, uh, you know, just, you know, life happens and you kind of go with it and you learn through the process. And, you know, you meet a lot of great people along the way. So sometimes you look back and regret it. But at the same time, you're like, man, like, where would I be without these people or without those experiences, you know? Yeah, definitely. So after you left, uh, did you go straight to uh, Robert Morris out of high school? I didn't. I was actually recruited by um, Paul Hodston and Sam Taylor uh, to go to West Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, I was either, you know, my options were either go play for Jack Hacker at Reedley, go try out at Fresno City, go to West Hills, um, or try to walk on somewhere else. Um, I, at then I wanted to play it safe. I had a lot of friends or a lot of guys from Central were going to West Hills. So I went ahead and went that route. Um, so I went there for a year and then I actually ended up tearing my rotator cuff, um, late fall, early spring. And I ended up having to, uh, sit out and, uh, rehab. So I ended up red shooting. Yeah. Rotator cuffs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You were just on a string of just injuries going on. <laughs> so what what uh what happened after the redshirt year? You uh, stayed at West Hills? Yeah, so I stayed there, tried to rehab as best as possible. And it wasn't it it, it was messing up my rehab my, my rehab process because living out in Kalinga, my um, therapy and law that was here in Fresno, I went up had I ended up uh, I just wasn't rehabbing as fast as I wanted or as well. Um, so it took a little bit longer. So I ended up leaving West Hills, came back home rehab until I was 100%, and then I transferred to play uh, for Del Marin at Porterville College. And uh, my good friend at that time, Robbie Padilla, um, he was uh, he, he was kind of going through his own process, um, but he had a little some injuries with his elbow. And uh, he just says, hey, you know what, man? We're, we're going to be the oldest guys out there. We're getting old now, but, you know, we love the game. Let's go out there. Let's go, let's go try it out. And, you know, and – I played two years at Porterville and transferred to then earned got a scholarship to go play at Robert Morris for uh, Coach Mark Rabideau out there. So uh, anytime I've I've personally never been had to have a go through a rehab process, uh, but I heard it's a real strong grind. Was there any point during that process where you're just like, damn, I don't know how much longer I can do this, or was it pretty was it pretty smooth for you? Well, just knowing that, you know, like I said, it was tough. Uh, it, it, any surgery is tough physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go into surgery, you try to go in there as strong as possible, which I tried to do the best I could. And then when you get out, you don't know how, how successful the surgery is going to be until you start that. It's actually start rehab. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, don't get me wrong. At that point in time, you know, I'm already, what, I'm already at 20 years old and you start second guessing everything. Like, man, do I really, you know, I'm getting older now. Do I really want this, you know, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there are times when you're thinking, like, maybe I just focus on school and just start my career and do whatever, you know, 20 and 21-year-old guys do that don't end up, that don't have responsibility of playing full-time collegiate athletics, you know. Of course, you have friends that go out there and have jobs and, you know, they're making money. When you're a college athlete, you're, you're not really making money, you know. You're hoping that – you know, mom and dad kick you down some groceries or helping you out with your rent or maybe your scholarship money or even at that time your meal money, you know, you try to extend that too. Um, but for me, you know, I, I really had to dig deep inside and say, hey, do I really want this? And it goes back to my story from the beginning when you're eight years old, you know, hey, this is my plan. This is my goal. And you start doing a self, you know, reflection of who are you? And at that point in time, before it quit, it's like, you, you, you've been playing baseball your entire life. You know, there's a good quote that one of my buddies told me, like, when we're growing up, when we're living, we're young baseball players. We're not an athlete. You were baseball players. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I'm going to share with you guys and everyone, anyone that's listening to this podcast is baseball players, we're the most athletic people on the planet. I can play basketball. I can play football. But you put all these <laughs> other guys and try to go hit a fastball, good luck. I can do it. That's what sets us apart. <laughs> so if anyone tells you otherwise, you tell them, no, baseball players are the most athletic people. But we want to be labeled as just baseball players. But, uh, you know, but you grip a baseball in your entire life. But then you start to realize that the whole time it was the game gripping you. And when I hit that crossroad, it's like if I gave up, 
who am I? You know, and I had to really think about it. And I was like, I wasn't really to transition into that life after baseball, not at that time. So, you know, you just, you make that, you you just finish and you really get, you really like uh, stick to that rehab plan of what your doctors are doing and you, you take your heart and you hopefully more doors open, you know, and then you figure out at what point in time or when the coach tells you no, when is it time to go ahead and that's it. And at that point in time, it's like, I haven't had, coaches won't tell me no just yet. So I was like, okay, so I still got, I still have a little bit of baseball life left. And I knew that it wasn't going to be long. I knew that it wasn't going to be long-term. Um, but I said, Hey, but you know what? No one's told me no yet. Keep playing until the door closes. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, Lego, anybody that was listening, stop listening after you, what you just said about us being the greatest athletes alive. <laughs> okay. Everybody has just checked out. They're just like, you know what? Fuck these guys. <laughs> Oh, he's back on mute. Oh, no, it's the sports world. They're getting him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> no, but yeah, so you guys trying to tell me that if you guys compete, when you, when you guys were playing PE, whether it was with whatever athletes, you couldn't compete? Oh, the baseball team would be the that's, best. Team that's, I would, I would that's, a, that, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Because we played ultimate frisbee competitively, okay? Yes. <laughs> you can compete and you, can, and you have a chance to win. But you put any other athlete, a football player, a soccer player, a baseball player, a football player, you put them into a baseball uniform, put them on the diamond, guess what? They look like they're clowns. Mm-hmm. Nothing affects any of you guys, other guys from other sports. But, you know, baseball will always be king. Especially over there at Fresno High. Don't give throwing guys some love. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, no, no, no. That's that's definitely the truest statement. <laughs> but if there are any other athletes listening to this, they have no longer listened. <laughs> 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 They've officially checked out. They said, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need this kind of slander. <laughs> um that's funny. That's you know what? That is true though, because anytime we played any other sport, it was it was always competitive. And it wasn't, you know, low, low scoring games. It was always, you know, high scoring stuff. It was to the point where on early days we would get just the little cloth balls and go play, you know, out on the football field. Yeah. You know, but no, you can't hit right-handed. You got to hit left-handed if you're a right-hand hitter. And if you're mm-hmm. a left-handed hitter, you got to hit right-handed. It's the only way to make it fair, but you know what? It was competitive. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about your time over at uh, Robert Morris. Uh, that's down in Illinois for people who don't know and Springfield Uh, I heard you were roommates with uh, Homer Simpson which is nice must have been a good time (laughs) yeah very a lot of good times and it's crazy because I lived down the street from the uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, memorial and where he was buried so that's kind of creepy too did you ever go I did uh, you know, being a, being from California, you become a tourist. And uh, <laughs> my dad and I, my dad and I uh, took a trip. We we drove out there so I could bring my truck out there. Um, and let me add, you, let me tell you this: uh, lower trucks and the snow don't mix, so don't ever try that. Out, but we did. Um, I was gonna say we were tourists for a good couple of days, and yeah, we did everything a tourist could do, and or as much as you could in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and it's crazy because uh, two of my buddies from California that went out there with me, they actually, their apartment was at the cemetery on top of the uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, um, gift shop. Oh, and what the hell? Yeah, no. That, what, they just get a discount on that? So they're just like, yeah, let's just swipe that up. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking, but they were like, hey, you know what? Uh, it's not too bad. I'm like, you're at a cemetery. What do you mean it's not that bad? <laughs> oh my god so i was never there we had we ended up getting our own baseball house and all this other stuff but i was never there (laughs) so as far as um as far as town level going from west hills um how did you like as far as like just pitches being thrown how the balls were coming off the bat from your teammates and from other teams what was the biggest like difference that you personally noticed from playing from junior college baseball to going to independent uh with rmu yeah. 
over there, the game just seemed faster. Mm-hmm. Um, being from California, everyone knows, you know, that California is probably one of the more dominant ones mm-hmm. when it comes to of baseball players. Um, out there, uh, we'd jerk around, and I would consider myself a big fish in a small pond. I'm actually having them be more successful than I was thinking or was planning on being. Um, I just felt more uh, – I felt like I was more prepared. Mm. You know, one of the older guys out there. Um, and, you know, it just uh, – everyone at that place, California Juco, has the potential of becoming, you know, either going pro or high-end, you know, D1, 2, or 3. So everyone can play, you know. And those guys out there, that was the first year playing fall ball for a good couple months. And then when you're when the winter, you're dormant. You're literally not doing anything except for your small little individual work or you're playing indoors in your first game outside. You know, you're kind of like in a shock, you know. Um, but the game-wise, you know, it seemed a little bit faster. But competition level, I would say it was, it was a little even. Mm. But – Nothing, nothing that it wasn't, you know, that I couldn't handle or anything like that. So leaving, uh, uh, what was the toughest part about leaving California and going to Illinois besides, uh, was it the cold weather, the snow? Yeah, the cold weather, the snow. I mean, the weather is always going to be a factor with whatever sport I kind of went in going into that. I think for me was being away from that was going to be being away from my comfort zone, whether it's around family, friends, or, you know, the norm, you know, playing at, spending my two years at Portugal, even my time in Kalinga, it's like, Hey, your, your parents are an hour away, hour and a half away here. It's like, I'm not going to see you until the holidays, mm-hmm. you know? So it was the more, the, it was more mental when, when I made that move, but uh, I was very, uh, but I, I prepared myself for that by just, you know, making sure that, you know, I kept myself busy. Is there a lot of partying going down there? Yeah. Well, job or partying, one of the other. <laughs> if my mom is listening to this, no, I studied all the time and I went, I went to work. <laughs> Bingo. But if you're not listening to this, yes, there are a lot of partying. To, there were a lot of parties, especially in the winter when you're not doing anything. You know, ah, see? <laughs> baseball house or the baseball apartments and all that you know but it was crazy because i was going to school i was going to school playing baseball and in the winter no one knows this but i was actually working at hollister making a couple extra bucks doing all that gotta get that money somehow somehow right selling selling them jeans and saying hey you want some (laughs) (laughs) you know you're the model standing outside yeah, I did that a couple of times. I was in better shape then, obviously, but you know. <laughs> how was a? Uh, how big was the town where you were uh, where you were at? You know, I don't know the exact number, but it felt like the size of Fresno. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, state capital, so it was kind of pretty busy downtown. But mm-hmm. your life is a lot slower there. I'd say more people are more patient with you. No one, one, they, those people out there are in a rush or anything like that. They're mind to kind of go with the flow and. You know, the, a lot of people are really kind out there. I didn't realize that people leave their doors unlocked and the windows open. When you try doing that in a Fresno, you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Hell no, you're going to come home to an empty house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Everything's going to be missing. They're going to steal your dog, too, while you're at it. No kidding. Out there, they call soda pop, so I kept thinking that was kind of different. You know, so like, I get a soda? I I'm like, I don't have an accent. You have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one with the accent. You are. It's like, no, you, you got a you got a California accent. I'm like, no, I don't surf. All right. It's like hella. Wait, what? Hey, it's funny you brought that up because that's one thing. I, I live in, you know, you tell people, oh, I'm from Fresno, California. I live by the beach. Everyone thinks you live by the beach. You're like, no, I don't live by the beach. I'm like in the butthole. <laughs> I live like I live like the furthest part away from the beach. <laughs> Now you're in the middle of everything. When you're, from, when you're from the Central Valley, you can tell people, hey, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm close to San Francisco, LA, and I'm close to the mountains and the beach. You know, you can go wherever you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's not right outside my window. No. There's a little <laughs> bit of mud out there, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, mud and smog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so leaving, uh, was, was Fresno High your first coaching job? 
coming back? No, it wasn't. Um, I came back and my sister, she was actually going to Computech, uh, Computech Middle School. Mm-hmm. And, uh, came back and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to get into coaching a little bit. I want to kind of get my feet wet before I approach the high school level. And then uh, I ended up coaching at Computech for a season. Um, and it just wasn't, you know, I, I love kids and everything like that, but especially coming out, out of college, it's like, I want a little something more competitive. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to uh, Joey Garza or Rodriguez, whatever he's going by nowadays. You guys uh-huh. know him. I can't say, you know, hopefully play for him. Um, and he uh, actually got me linked up with, uh, with Coach Pappy. And we kind of went on from there. Okay, so you had no connections with Coach Pappy then, other than just Joey putting in a word? Yeah. I wouldn't so, have took Joey's word. <laughs> <laughs> so when you had um, yeah, so hey, I, 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 I will say, you know, you may not take Joey's word, but I was very grateful. I even said, <laughs> I, I, Jason, I, sent, I even said, I went as far as sending Jason, like, a, like a, what do you call it? What is it? A baseball, man, uh, I forget. Like a cover letter and all this other stuff. It's almost you like know? a resume. Yeah, there you go. My baseball resume. Just try to get the coach. <laughs> oh, cool, man! I got cool. Give <laughs> me hired. Give me hired there. Yeah, I was like, hey, I missed the game. Let's let's do that. So, did you start uh, coaching JV at Fresno? No, actually, I was going to coach freshman baseball. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I forgot something ended up happening. And then Jay, uh, Jason ended up uh, giving me an opportunity to go coach with him at the varsity level for a year, mm-hmm. you know, and. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> it happened again, Lego. Hold on. Looks like a really good story, too. I does. He looks really into it. <laughs> I know he is into it. You guys hear me now? Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, cut out again. Um, but uh, yeah, because growing up, you're like, man, screw Fresno High. It's like Fresno High Clovis, you hate it because you guys are always competitive year in, year out. And being at that varsity level for that first year really showed me uh, uh, why Fresno High is always competitive. You know, we don't always have the, you know, the greatest talent out there, but you get every ounce of effort and pride out of every kid that you ever come in contact with. And that's what makes that program so successful, how hard they work. They're willing to put in the work. And when it's time to fight again, they'll, they'll fight anybody, you know, they'll go to war for seven innings, eight innings, nine innings, if you need to. And then they, 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 they put you to the test every pitch. You know, Jay's coach, Pat would say pitch by pitch, out by out, inning by inning. You're always in it. You're always digging. You're grinding. Everything. You know, that's the Fresno High. That's the Fresno High way. You got to work your opponent. You know, and that second year, you know, I kind of saw that and I was like, man, I really want to do this, but I want more responsibility. So then I ended up uh, coaching with Coach Gonzo, being co-head coach with Gonzo down the JV level, and then finally took over that third year, doing it on my own with a couple of my buddies. And man, my time at Fresno High is probably one of the, some of the best times I've had you know, reading my, in my quote, baseball life, because it's, you get to see the ins and outs coming, becoming a player and then becoming a coach. You see the behind the scenes works, you know, and I know that you guys coaching too, you guys have had the opportunity to, to see it. You guys got to see the behind the scenes of what we, what's really discussed and how you set the lineup and the decisions of, you know, what can we do? Some of you guys know yourselves now, they're not always easy, but they have to be done because you got to see the big picture, you know? Definitely. So I remember, <clears throat> I remember actually it's funny, but I remember your first day coming out to coach uh, at Fresno high mm-hmm. and it was just a, just a regular, you know, we're just doing some BP and here comes this, you know, it comes big swinging dick walking up, he's talking with Jason and Jason's like, okay, I'm going to throw BP and he's throwing BP in the cage. And then I, I, I finished my first round and I come out and then Jason immediately looks at Lego and goes, Hey, take him over there and just work on middle away, middle away, middle away. And I was like, man, what, how did I get stuck with this guy? Like, I don't know this guy. He's going to be giving me tips and shit. What if he fucks my swing up? Uh-huh. And 
for the, I didn't even get to take another round of VP in the cage. It was all just T work. It was just middle of the way, middle of the way, middle of the way. So I'm talking with this guy and I'm like, hi, right, yeah, like I like this guy. This guy's pretty cool. He's going to be, seems like a chill coach, but he seems like he knows what he's talking about. And, and then, you know, that from there, it, you gave me a lot of tips for playing first base and, you know, really working on my swing and being, you know, middle away. I, that's one spot that I was able to live on, you know, I wasn't the best pull hitter, but I can put a ball that way and get on base. And that's what I needed to do to, to help out my team. So, you know, it was, it was honestly a real pleasure to get to, to, to play for you because, you know, you, you easily grew on me just by how nice and chill you were. You weren't trying to be strict about it, but you still were firm about doing something. So, you know, coming to the end of my senior year, you helped me, you know, you got me in touch with coach Rabideau down at Robert Morris. And, you know, you really put in a word for me and, you know, I'm very thankful and appreciative of that. Uh, Cause at that time, you know, a lot of us playing for that team weren't really being scouted. We weren't looking at going to play college ball and stuff like that. So for you to take the time out of your day to really, you know, put in a word for me and, you know, help me do some stuff. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, people don't get like the scout put in the work, you know, you know, whether you're putting a word for someone, you're not, when you put in the word or get recommendation, you're not putting on the end result. You're saying, Hey, this guy, I know he can make it. And my goal was just, Hey, open the door. And if you decide to walk through it, that's up to you. But I knew that you have the work ethic to do it. You know, you have the baseball knowledge and the background and you know, you'll survive, you know, you, you, you don't, you, we will never know unless you go try it and do it. Definitely. So that was definitely a, a, fun time that was that was in 2012 so 2013 i think i think you know where i'm going with this uh the world baseball classic happens yep and you were actually selected to play with team philippines yep the philippines team philippines so take us through that process did they contact how did they contact you you know how did they hear about you were people you know, putting in the word for you. What was that process like? Man, to be honest, I was like, man, I'm retired. I'm out. I've been out of the game for a couple minutes. Now, you know, I have a kid on the way, or no, my daughter's ready here. And I'm like, okay. So I, my buddy Andres Borromeo, we were playing baseball in Floorville for a while. At that time, he was up in Oregon, and he says, hey, I, uh, what on the street is? You're back. You're back in Fresno. You know, you've been out of the game, but for not too long, can you still do it? And I said, well, man, how long do I have to get back into shape? <laughs> you know, he said I had about, you know, three and a half months. And then at that point in time, it's, uh, you know, you kind of start figuring it out and talking to the family. Hey, can I do this? You know, because you're because co- think about that. I'm, I'm working full time. I'm coaching baseball. I'm a new father. And then on top of that, I got to start fitting in some workouts just to kind of get back into it. Um, so I call him back and he's like, Hey, yeah. So uh, a couple people, uh, your name got brought up, you know, because you know, you're Phil number one, you're Filipino. That was the biggest requirement. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm like, dang. So you're trying to tell me like, as long as you're Filipino, they're just adding anybody to the club. <laughs> they're just, they're just adding like, Filipinos to the team. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there we go. hold on, you know? Um, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, uh, the minimum they're looking for guys who played, uh, you know, college have pretty decent stats and who mm-hmm. want to go play and who can be helped that team compete. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you know, Andres Borromeo hit me up. So I sent a couple, uh, I sent some stats from myself over the last few years. Again, send another, send in another baseball resume, but kind of a little more in depth. And then uh, uh, did a, uh, a couple of videos of, uh, of some of my workouts. And then yeah, so the committee came together and added me on to the roster. You know, don't know what they were thinking, but hey, you know what? They gave me the opportunity to go uh, to go get paid and get a check from Major League Baseball so I can tell people, hey, I just got paid to play. You know, there's a great opportunity to, to do so and be able to uh, represent the, the Philippines and be part of the, you know, that first world um, baseball classic team that, the, they, that they send out there. So what, what was your, um, like your first day getting there? Was it kind of chaotic or did you guys like, how was that first day going up there? Oh man. Uh, I'm 
debating what I can share online. <laughs> but uh, it, it was it was decent. I mean, it was really cool. You know, we left out of uh, San Francisco. I saw a couple other like bigger looking guys. You know, uh, on the plane, I was like, he looks, he, he looks Filipino. He might be a baseball guy too. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all playing this, we're all trying to size each other up. We want to land. We we stop in. Quick, quick baby break. This is this is my son. Oh, look at you. This is Kylo. He's he's gonna be three months on uh in three days now. So oh. time is absolutely flying by. Hi Kylo. So he's here. He wanted to show off his shirt. It says I called the shots. Oh. <laughs> he knows he's gonna be hitting some nukes, absolute nukes when he's playing. <laughs> That's what Coach position? Lego. Coach Lego is gonna teach you how to hit. What positions is the guy gonna play? I don't know. Probably. I think he's going to be tall. So maybe like a first baseman. Okay, cool, cool. Just hitting absolute nukes. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to come up. He's just going to start pointing. Mm -hmm. Even if he strikes out, I don't care. It's going to happen sooner or later. Confidence. It's all about confidence. (laughs) Swing it. It is what it is. Oh, yeah. He's ready. Oh, man. Looks like a stutter ready, Michael. Oh yeah, he's he's in training. He's in training. I throw, I, I ball up socks and I throw it at him. <laughs> he doesn't catch him yet, but you know. Yeah, as long as he won't be scared of it. That's all. That's the big thing. You know what? He he keeps them in front. He keeps he bodies them. Body body up. Oh yeah, most of the time he's asleep though, so <laughs> he doesn't really get a chance to move. But he's all right. Hey, as long as you're up for game time, it's all that matters, right? <laughs> Warrior time, fifteen minutes early. Yeah. <laughs> you're on time you're late yep <laughs> no, so but hey, back to your question. my wife says hi uh, hey she walked out <laughs> she came to drop off the dog <laughs> this is gizmo gizmo he does not play baseball no <laughs> he's hey, so who, who came first the, the baby or the dog uh the dog actually okay we actually uh we found him he was uh just roaming around by our place yeah and uh i guess the person who used that because we we took him in and we finally got a hold of you know someone she they saw uh, my wife walking him mm-hmm. and they're like oh that looks like you know so-and-so's dog and we we're like we don't know we we found him we took him in you know he was like running around in the rain like cold and stuff and they're like yeah they're like uh that person moves they just left the dog god dang yeah so i guess they said too that i guess this person was like you know they're abusive to him and stuff like that so you know they're like you know it looks like you guys are taking care of him you know when we got him he was like malnourished and he was losing hair and stuff like that so we just took him in and you know he's been part of our family ever since so hey you were uh, you're a dad before a dad oh yeah doggy dad <laughs> yeah, that happened to me though. We, uh, my girl and I, we got a, we ended up getting a puppy, and the next, you know, it, the the puppy starts smelling her stomach for like a week, and we find out she's a she's pregnant. Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When when uh, my wife was pregnant, she uh, the our dog, he uh, he was real close and did not let a lot of people get close to her. It was mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, no, no, no. I need you to let's let's get back there, buddy. <laughs> You know, Frankie knows. Anytime Frankie would come by, you would just start barking at him the whole time. Say, like, dude, you see yeah, him all the time. <laughs> oh, but, so, for anybody who doesn't know, real fast, uh, the World Baseball Classic is a pretty big deal. Um, obviously, you've got the Olympics, which is countries. So, for anybody listening, wondering what the hell the World Baseball Classic is and why it was so important. Uh, it, it's basically every country putting in a team. Uh, US Team USA won in what, 16? Is that what it was? 17? One of Something those years. Like that. Whatever, they won. It's all I know. Okay. USA, USA. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, a, that's an advantage right there, though, because you're, you're Filipino-American, right? Yeah, you know, and it's funny that they bring it up. Um, because the competition level here in the United States is far beyond what they're experiencing right now in the Philippines. 
you know, just uh, since 2013, that's when baseball started getting like really popular there, you know, and actually they became more competitive. So they're, they're joining, like playing like the C games out there and stuff like that to prepare their youth and their, um, their athletes for the upcoming World Baseball Classic. So it's becoming more serious since that first, since our first team went to the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. More popular, things are being a little more competitive, putting more of a focus onto baseball and not just track and whatever and boxing what they usually do you know yeah because i know in the olympics like they they made it so that it was like you know you can't be i think it's i think it was double a and up i think if you're playing double a ball or higher you couldn't play in on the olympic team Mm -hmm. you know so when the world baseball classic was going it was like you know okay now you've got all the major league guys that, you know, want to play for team USA that have been chosen are playing. And now you've got, you know, team Canada, like Freddie Freeman and Todd Frazier and those guys like that. So, you know, it was a real, it's a real treat to see because you always get to see, you know, the uh, team Dominican Republic and team Puerto Rico and those teams are absolutely stacked. So, you know, this last year or the last time that the USA won, it was great to see because they had all the big name guys, you know, Adam Jones and Buster Posey and, you know, Jonathan Lucroy, all, all, all the main stars that you would want on that team were on that team and they made it happen. Oh, for sure. You know, I just remember watching like guys like Giancarlo Stan, all that be part of it. And you're like, man, you guys are the best in the world. And, you know, like you said, like the Olympics, every country that participates sends, sends a team. Mm-hmm. But now, now it's all baseball oriented and as baseball guys are like you see guys that play in the big leagues but now they're playing for their, for their own their home countries and it's good to kind of see the different talent levels and the other people that they bring along onto their rosters and see everyone compete at the, the highest level of baseball possible you know um like uh, my from my personal experience when we went out there um it was uh we played against johnny damon I actually had, a, I actually had an opportunity to have a glass of wine with the guy and kind of just talk to him. But oh. who would have known that he was his his mother was from Thailand, so he played for Thailand that year, you know? Oh wow! Joke, yeah, you know, I joke around and it's like, man, uh, you know, I tell my buddies like, man, I, I was trash talking Johnny Daniel when he was at first base, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the time you're, you know, the whole, you start chirping and then oh man, I'm, tr- I'm chirping Johnny Damon and he doesn't know who we are anyway, but you know, yeah. I'm chirping he's out there we're on the same playing field now <laughs> so what was johnny that? me and you are the same johnny yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man but you know it's a good it's a good experience to be out there and the world baseball classic's a big gig and i'm really excited uh and i know that the olympic i know that baseball supposed to go back to the olympics do you, i forgot did they end up approving it that they're going to go back to that uh i don't think they approved it i think they they uh they didn't pass it no Okay. I mean, either way, as long as they continue to have the little baseball classic, because that's the baseball Olympics. That's just what yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, as long as they have that, that's all I feel like that kind of just matters. So you're at that. Exactly. You play everyone and, you know, it's the highest level possible and you go from there. Plus that brings us some joy during the off season. Yeah. When there is no baseball. <laughs> so you played against the best of the best. You played with great competition. How do you take that, that mentality from playing against, you know, the top? How do you take that? And then, you know, your first year going and uh, being alongside Coach Pappy, best coach and one of the best coaches in the Valley. How do you take that into your your coaching? Do you just pick pick little things that you like? or Every, At the end of the day, everyone's going to have their own coaching style. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, your biggest thing, you know, yeah, of course you're gonna you're gonna want to win, um, but it's, it's number one's gonna be all about player development, make them to you know better athletes and make them to better men and better students, and then the winning and everything and the success comes from it. Um, for me, being a new coach and all that, I had to learn the type of person I wanted to be, and I learned my personality. You know, if I was always hard and yelling at you. That wouldn't be part of that's not my personality. You would see right through it and be this, you know, that's not that guy. Mm-hmm. But you also saw that I can be that guy every so often. And then you took it serious. I think, Frankie, you had more of an opportunity to see that when I was coaching at the JV level that 
your first year, right? When I called you up. Yeah. So like, you know, I was fair, I was firm, I was consistent. And we had a system. We stuck the same, pretty much the same system at the varsity level that I, I brought down to the JV level. So there was no big jump in, um, in what we were doing. So when you went up to varsity, it wasn't a culture shock because you've been there, you've done that. Now the pitcher, you know, you knew the pick system. There's no reason why you didn't know the pick system. And our guys knew it, you know, and you, you got to learn your personnel and how you want to approach it. And you got to know the type of athlete that you're dealing with. If I knew that you couldn't deal with criticism if I'm yelling at you, I'm not going to yell at you because what that's going to do is going to shut you down. You know, for me, it was all case by case. Who is the athlete? And then my coaching style never changed, but I adapted to the athlete of how I would approach you, you know. Um, you know, with, with baseball and life, you got to learn to adapt. And that's the same thing when it comes to coaching. You know, you adapt to who you're playing against. You adapt to who comes onto your roster and what's going on at that time. But your moral ethics and your style, that, that's you. You just adapt to the individual, you know. And I, you know, I learned a lot from Coach Pathy, from, from the organization, from the interaction to the speeches and, and all that. And, you know, I was able to add some of his stuff with mine and then I pulled from other coaches. Now, I've always been a guy that wanted to be a coach's guy, you know, a player's coach, you know, to where you trusted me. We weren't friends. The respect level was there, you know, but we had to be a family tour with, with that and instill the values and have that one common goal. Definitely. That's been, man, uh, a lot of knowledge on this shit. Goddamn. Hey, you ever think about giving a, like, uh, you should start giving out, like, um, like motivational speeches? It's funny that you brought that up because I talked to a lot of our youth that, you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm a supervisor at the juvenile hall here in uh, Fresno. Um, you know, so I'm always interacting with youth and I talk to staff and I talk to the youth and, you know, you're not the first person to, you know, kind of bring that up, you know, it's just, all that just comes with time and all that. And, you know, I wish I could just kind of really didn't really know how to kind of get into it, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, if I didn't know you off the street, you know, it's, uh, I would say you just, you got to just learn from people. You just got to tell your story. You know, we're all writing a story right now and you got to be able just to sell it. You know, it's easy to sell you guys because I've been in your shoes. You know, I've been there. I've been through the grind. I've been through the ups and downs you know, the mental and the physical aspect of, you know, coaching, being a parent and sports. And so those are easy topics to talk about. You know, yeah. I knew that, you know, if I had a better way to kind of get onto it and learn how to do it, I should maybe I would. But a lot of it's just conversating, just being able to just project your, project everything to you. You could be like the next Tony Robbins. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> With that, uh, with that in mind, we've appreciated you coming on and being able to tell your story. Um, there's a lot that's happening, you know, in the world right now. So for us to be able to, you know, come back and, and do a, a episode and, you know, be able to have you on and, and especially with what your condition was, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear you talk and, and to hear what you've gone through. So, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, we're actually going to be having you on again, probably within the week or so. Okay. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a, another episode, but this time we'll be having uh, Joey Garza on. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go ahead and get to talk some shit and, and, and talk about all the baseball news that's going on. Uh, so first and foremost, Frankie, uh, fuck you and the Dodgers. Okay. <laughs> Tired of you guys signing everybody. Just how about you let some of these other teams sign some people, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for the for the Padres Dodgers rivalry. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares. Hey, my uh, like, the Giants gotta learn how to spend money, dude. Dude, that's what All I'm right. saying. Look, <laughs> the Giants, Giants spend two million dollars on a a guy that's played double a ball for the last 10 years, you know, it's like, why go out and spend some of that big time money and get some of these guys. Yeah. You're playing for a championship. You're not, you know, why are we playing for a championship 10 years down the road? Yeah. Hey, We're never going to get those guys. So I can't say anything. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Especially somewhere like San Francisco, you think like that, that's, that's a good destination to play with, with the Bay and everything. Like, 
it's what it comes down to though it comes down to money in the end that's what it is these guys have families that they look after they have to plan for you know their life after baseball i'm not gonna go play for a team for five million dollars if the dodgers are willing to give me a hundred million dollars and that's probably exactly what trevor bauer's position was you know the giants are going to offer me 50 million dollars why would i do that when i can go make double that in la well, one, th- one scary thing, too, is, like, when you uh, think about teams in California, you think about our taxes and stuff. You know, <sighs> that, too. You got to think about that. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get taxed California wages, or am I going to go somewhere else with, say, like, you know, an example, say, Arizona, no taxes. When yeah. I'm, you know, I'm taking all that, you know? So oh, yeah. There's a lot of other factors, and, you know, like you said, you got to look out for yourself and your family because the game's so short-lived, you never know, and you want to make sure you that little nest egg your your picture is frozen right now frank have you seen this i've seen this <laughs> this is this is great let me go ahead and take a picture oh i took too long to take a picture i was gonna send it to you that was hilarious but um so we'll we'll save that we'll uh when's your next free day um i mean what day what day are you guys trying to do whatever day you're available okay so i'm off friday saturdays and then I don't go to work till 8 p.m. So just let me know. And okay. We'll uh, you know, have guards that pull up a seat and we just come here and just bullshit and get down. Mm-hmm. To- there you go. Perfect. Let's do that. Let's set that up. Um, uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's been an absolute joy to, to get to see you and get to talk to you again. Yeah. No, thank, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come up here and just to kind of talk and just you know, just, just BS and kind of open up those certain things. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again you know, later this week and kind of share some stories and having this guy around will have a little more intensity and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe we might have some explicit content to share. <laughs> Definitely. You know what the best part is too, is he's an umpire now. So we get to get like that umpire side. Yeah. That's gonna be I cool. think we just, I think we just tell him the whole time that he's wrong. That'd be cool. Yeah. Let's do that. We're going to be out there just poking at him. I'm telling hey, Jason's going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's being here all long. Oh, man. That's Are a good time. Are you guys coaching? No, I'm not coaching right now. Frank, I, I am, yeah. We, uh, we're supposed to start February 22nd, so we're just waiting to hear back on that. But, yeah, season's not supposed to be till around April, they're talking about right now. So. Wow. Yeah, we gonna have a month season. Yeah, it's gonna be like jam packed games. It's kind of still like everywhere, but yeah. Dude, so we're still waiting. worst case scenario. I, from my personal like opinion, I really think that they should literally just do strictly just league right now. And so just to help yeah. everyone, just no tournaments. Good. Just keep it nice yeah. and low key. Yeah, no, um, like no preseason, no anything like that. Just just jump straight into league and then playoffs a good idea it's a good way to shorten it down and still get all that playing time in mm-hmm. and at that point you know your league champions will go to the playoffs and do the thing and then you crown someone and then it gives everyone a clean slate summer fall and go yeah home. i mean obviously for the big tournaments that get put on you know that's gonna it's gonna suffer i mean for the central tournament that's a big tournament that opens up the year you know uh the easter classic that's a big tournament that is right dab smack in the middle of league and you know your play so that also keeps you keeps you uh uh warmed up and ready to go but you know i think playing league consistently throughout and then going into playoffs will kind of help out with those tournaments right there not being uh played so sure cool all right guys so uh see you guys later this week thank you so much all right lego appreciate it man Well, that's the show. Uh, Thank you guys for the continuous support we've received. We can't thank you enough. Uh, We promise we will be back with more great guests, um, some returning guests, uh, especially with college baseball and college softball going. Uh, We know high school baseball is starting up. So, you know, we are so excited that this is taking a turn for us. You know, it's going for the better. So we're excited for that. We can't wait to chat. this episode we had to get out though because you know john is a really good friend of ours and 
his story is just something else. You know, it, it's tough for anybody to go through a passing, but for what he did, you know, for being in the hospital to, you know, losing family members, you know, it's, it's rough for anybody. So we're just thankful that he was able to uh, come on and chat with us and, you know, also get to share some of his baseball knowledge. And, you know, it's, 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 it's always nice to chat with guys that just generally love the game. And that's what we love about John. Um, so we can't thank him enough. Um, so with that being said, for Frankie Martinez, I'm Michael Rodriguez. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. <laughs> See what I did there? Catch. That's funny because we talk baseball and softball. So it's kind of funny. No? All right, whatever. I'll make sure we get our schedules fixed because uh, you guys probably don't want to hear me talking to myself. So, All right. See you guys.